a corporation called 4020. I own a couple smaller companies uh, that we'll probably be touching on today. Um, I own the company uh, Costamero Wheels. Um, I own a company called Schmacked.org. Uh, I own a company called JB Designs and a few others. And then I'm also employed by a couple big name companies such as like Partners in Sound Productions and I am a lighting designer. That's the voice of Jared Beck, a small business owner from Philadelphia. Today, we talked to him about the impacts of COVID-19 on international shipping and small businesses. You're listening to Jigsaw Politics. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Jigsaw Politics. I'm Michael Smedley here with Kyle Schur, and today we have a special guest, Jared Beck, joining us to talk about the coronavirus impacts on small business owners here in the U.S., but also the widespread reaches on the world economy and specifically the world shipping industry. Yeah, so we decided to start off by just asking Jared to introduce himself to our listeners. I own six different companies, but three of them are under one merger company called 4020. Um, I do design, prototyping, and small volume production, um, primarily in China, Russia, Bulgaria, and Bolivia. And then um, some of our contracts are with companies like Pico, um, Exelon, AF Flanders, Pfizer, um, Tesla. For Tesla, um, basically, we have a separate aftermarket company called Custom Aero Wheels, and we make um, 18-inch aero caps uh, for the Model 3s, and we're soon coming out with a aero cap for the Model Y. Um, and then actually for Tesla themselves, um, I do VIN work. So vehicle identification number. I now own a Model 3, getting my cyber truck next year, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, um, my main thing that I do is injection molding. Um, so they have the big metal molds uh, that are steel, and they just store them on the warehouse shelves. And then um, I pick out what production days I want. Um, and in the meantime, they're using other people's big steel molds to make their junk. Uh, and then I just call them up and they put my stuff on the line and I get to run the lines for as long as I need. So I'm the guy that designs the stuff, prototypes the stuff, manufactures the stuff, sells the stuff, and then ships it. One thing that we learned that was really fascinating to us was just how wide reaching Jared's manufacturing and assembly process is for especially his custom wheels, his custom aero wheels product. So the custom aero wheels parts uh, are made in China, the caps themselves. Um, Mm. And then... The Tesla T's, like the little logos, I laser cut uh, at my office and then here at my house as well. And then um, the locking mechanism. So basically what the product is, is it's a, um, it's basically a lug nut cover, a glorified hubcap. Um, so it needs to lock into the wheel. And that locking mechanism is made in um, the Downingtown area by one of my friends. And they are all 3D printed. So, yeah, but the hardest part would be the supply chain in China for the actual caps themselves. So we were super intrigued by the setup of Jared's company, especially um, in a globalized economy, how COVID-19 impacted his companies. Yeah, so basically, uh, life has been hell, uh, to put it politely, um, ever since COVID started. My companies were hit by COVID first um, because in China... What happened was they had Chinese New Year, and in China, Chinese New Year 
for manufacturing companies, gets them off for anywhere from two to four weeks. Um, this was about I don't know, December, no, like January maybe. And then after that, coming immediately out of the new year was COVID in China. Um, so at no point were they able to return to their offices and such for a two month span. And during that time, everybody was on hold. Um, so all these smaller companies that do injection molding um, or whatever, and then the larger companies, Fortune 500 companies, big tech companies, they couldn't get their stuff made or shipped either. So essentially, it was a mess for all the companies that manufacture in China because of the COVID outbreak there. After the workers were able to return to the factories, the nightmare was not over. So basically what happened was um, we absolutely, as soon as the Chinese were able to get back into their plants and get back doing their thing, everything was made and manufactured. And then there was a big demand uh, for everybody to get on the boats and on the planes to get back to the U.S. Otherwise, there would be a stock market crash because every supply chain would be wrecked. So what ended up happening was the bigger companies decided that they would buy out most of the Chinese uh, supply and shipping companies just themselves. Uh, so just ginormous tech companies. Um, and it, there's a lot of stuff that's made by smaller companies like myself. So in order to get onto these boats, we either had to pay a ginormous fee or partner up with a ginormous company. Um, so in my case, what I did with uh, custom aero wheels in 4020 was I found a medium-sized company um, in this price, in this case, it was Fisher Price during this particular week. And um, we were able to get on a boat with them. And my stuff takes out a couple of shipping containers. So it wasn't a big deal because the boat handles thousands. So Jared was forced to partner up with these medium-sized companies to get space on the bigger companies' ships that were trying to capitalize on the situation until the Chinese government had stepped in again and had enough with that. The Chinese government stepped in, and um, this was all in like a 10-day span. They stepped in and bought back the boats, and the Chinese government uh, created new shipping companies as well um, because they had so much money coming in. Uh, basically, China's doing – they're on top of the world right now. They're doing double what they ever did uh, because there's such demand coming from the United States um, for new junk. They're making all our PPE um, and all this other junk for people to go online shopping all day with. So now there is a shipping crisis in China, and Jared had to try and find solutions to get his products to the United States. Meanwhile, the pandemic was spreading to the other countries that he operates in, and those were becoming an issue too. Private companies wanted to increase the shipping cost by 500% via boat. So then we looked into air travel. Um, and then we also looked into moving the stuff to Europe and then moving it here to the U.S. But the issue was that for all my European stuff from Bulgaria and Bolivia, they had COVID much worse than us. And on top of that, anything that came from those countries had to be quarantined in customs. Um, so we had to pay the 500% markup. So we were very happy to learn that after the Chinese government stepped in and purchased the ships back from these private companies, the shipping rates fell to where they were pre-pandemic levels. We were so curious, though, to learn what companies tried to step in and capitalize on the situation. Yeah, the main one was Apple. Um, they, 
the area I'm in is Gangzhou. Um, and but if you're in Gangzhou, you're south of Shanghai, and Shanghai is where all the madness happens. So basically, there's the two ports that you have the options of going to. And um, Apple's right next to the big port. To go to the southern ports is much more expensive. It takes a long time to get to the U.S. Whereas if you're going from the north, you can kind of just cut around real quick and get to California. But basically, um, it was either we paid Apple their money or we had to wait forever for the product. It also depends on the timing. Uh, sometimes we have to go with the plane because most boats take about a month. Um, and the plane we could have our stuff here in three days. Air freight at minimum is three times more expensive. I don't even want to know what it is now. That was just pre-COVID numbers with uh, at minimum three times more expensive. Um, I have no idea what it is now. So some of what Jared makes are things he sells himself on his own site with his own companies. But he also manufactures things for corporate customers. And with the shipping markups and the longer wait times to get stuff to the United States, that was creating issues for some of his ventures. It did impact my relationship a lot with the companies. Um, because at first, nobody understood how bad COVID was in China until COVID came to the U.S. And we had to face the same lockdowns and such that China had to face. Um, so yeah, but all around, it definitely killed my margins on everything. So by this point, Jared had figured out how to get his product to the United States, but he was still running into. So once Jared was able to figure out how to get his product to the United States, the headache was still far from over as he still had to get it into the country. Luckily with a lot of the stuff I do, uh, I'm able to do the things myself here. So laser cutting and 3D printing, and I don't necessarily need um, large scale metals or electronics and stuff. Um, for that specific scenario and other scenarios that didn't involve me right here doing 3D printing and such for AF landers and stuff, um, those parts come from Bulgaria and Bolivia. And the issue with that was the customs. Um, customs is already, well, prior to COVID was already working at 50% um, workforce. So they are already extremely behind. Um, and then COVID came and they eliminated the staff entirely pretty much. Meanwhile, all this stuff is still coming in and they're trying to move things around to quarantine things that are coming from certain countries. And, um, and I'm on the phone with them all day. At one point I went there myself to try to get my pallets of stuff. Um, and in the end of the day, it ended up uh, costing me a few big orders. So in the midst of all of these issues he was having with customs, we realized that some things were having more scrutiny put on them, depending on what the product was and where it was coming from. And we were curious to see how those decisions were being made in the wake of the pandemic. With China, basically these Chinese, uh, Chinese shipping companies, like uh, let's just say like DHL, they have direct routes into America um, and they have their own customs facilities. So they pretty much just get to skip the gun and um, we can just have it imported right into the port, pay the tax and call it a day and it's all ours. Gotcha. So they're doing it more, they're doing customs in-house that the U.S. has kind of already signed off on. Right. Most European items have to go through the United States ran customs facilities and they can't just privatize it. Gotcha. 
it was interesting to see the priority they gave though to the um, personal protection equipment. Um, about halfway through, I decided I'm going to start making whatever I can. Um, and if you say you're shipping anything PPE-wise, it gets expedited immediately, um, and they don't check anything. Um, so anything coming in from China that's PPE, they don't even check it. They just get it out into circulation as quick as possible and that sort of thing. But I do know all my buddies, they all got on board with the let's buy the N95 mask from China. And uh, they made a lot of money with that. Easy, quick drop shipping, made a ton of money. I didn't have any interest in with it um, just because it's a lot of money up front for all these masks. And um, I don't really trust the quality with the Chinese made N95 masks. So being that Jared has a unique perspective from most people that he's on the supplier side, we were interested to get his thoughts on on what he thinks we as consumers should be expecting moving forward. Um, yeah, I mean, for the normal person, um, I'm shocked that prices haven't gone up for everything um, because I just don't think the supply chain and shipping industries will ever be the same following this because um, Europe has already bounced back and forth. Uh, like three times between lockdowns and they've had to shut down the shipping networks three times. Um, China may do the same in the fall. Nobody really knows what's going on over there because nobody tells me anything. Um, my manufacturing friends say that they can't go into the office every other week. Sometimes they're allowed in, sometimes they're not. The shipping people say everything's still running smoothly. Um, so everybody's on edge constantly. Um, so I'm not really sure how it's going to look like coming out of this. So essentially, the future of consumerism in the U.S. is somewhat up in the air still to this day. And we're curious to see, with the pandemic still raging, what Jared thinks about the government's response to it and where we might be headed. Um, I think that the U.S. had a great response. Um, the travel bans didn't help. Um, but if we didn't have them, I think there'd be millions of cases, billions of cases and whatever. Um, and then, um, the PPP loans that came out and the other grants that the government came out with, um, definitely saved a lot of businesses. Um, so the federal response was phenomenal. The state response, um, the state did everything in their power they could to make sure business could not happen, in my opinion. And they made sure that nothing came into the state of Pennsylvania whatsoever. It wasn't so much that they were targeting the cargo. They were just trying to target like some of these truck drivers would have to like sit at a stop and get like a temperature check. And um, even though at the truck stop, there's nobody there manning it anymore. Just a whole bunch of uh, trickle down effects um, that started from the top of the state. Uh, it's hard yeah. for me to come up with a stance because I'm so focused exclusively on my world with just the products and not even the people. So with COVID-19 wreaking havoc on our globalized economy and with Trump being very hard on China and not knowing what the future of our relationship with that government will be, I thought it seemed to make a lot more sense to try and make things in the U.S. But unfortunately, it's much more expensive to do so. Basically, if I wanted to make... So the custom aerial caps in China, each one's $3 a manufacturer. If we wanted, including shipping, if we want to do that same thing in the U.S. with the cheapest possible manufacturer, you're probably looking at um, $16 each. 
American manufacturing is in a tough place. Um, the best thing to come was the China-U.S. trade deal um, and the renegotiation of that. Um, it really made everybody happy. It made the U.S. a lot of money, and it keeps China making our stuff, which makes them happy. Being that we in the U.S. hear all the time on the news about the tensions between the United States and China, it was really fascinating to learn that that the people that Jared deals with day in and day out in manufacturing and has developed strong relationships with didn't really know what the situation was between the two countries because of China's government. I'm worried about the Chinese government. The Chinese people don't seem to like understand much about uh, the relationship between the two countries, uh, mainly because of their media and stuff. Um, right. I'm surprised none of my conversations have been like flag branding because uh, I'm actually friends with these people. I've never met them, uh, but, you know, I video chat with them and I know what they look like. I know what their personal situations and lives are like. Um, so we definitely have, you know, semi-political discussions and they don't seem to know, um, you know, what odds we're at with each other. That's fascinating. Um, yeah. So it's a very tricky relationship and everybody just kind of, including myself, we just talk in circles about it all day because there's so many facets to the prism that we just don't know. Um, and they're happening at the same time. Well, most of us are just trying to, well, most of us are focused on taking one day at a time with COVID and trying to figure out what the next day, let alone the next week or month is going to look like. Jared's already jumping out a few months and anticipating from a manufacturing side of things, what giant events like Black Friday could look like this year? I guess it's important to know uh, what the implications coming out of COVID are going to be for everything, I guess. So, um, like, I really think there's going to be a spike in prices for anything electronic. Um, so, um, in China, we're definitely already preparing for Black Friday and that sort of thing and the upcoming holiday season. And it's going to look very different this year. I don't think there will be drastic sales and stuff um, for most electronics, whereas other things uh, might have the lowest pricing ever. Uh, so it's going to be a very unique retail sphere coming about. Um, so, for instance, um, things like KitchenAid blenders are going to be through the roof, insane pricing. But things like robot vacuums, uh, you can get for like 50 cents, whereas they retail for $500 because that's just the disparity that's going on um, with different supply chains and manufacturing. So essentially, to summarize what really happened here. Right, real quick, just like a summary of that, just um, to kind of wrap it up, is that um, Chinese New Year took a month away, and then they never came out of that. They just went right into covid and then, uh, you know, Market Watch and Reuters and then started saying that these ratings agencies are going to downgrade the big tech stocks and stuff if they don't figure it out. So it was then at that point that they decided to buy out all the shipping logistics companies. And then they um, inadvertently screwed over every tiny business or medium sized business by doing that. Just gotcha. out of threat of their yeah. value falling. Yep. Yeah, that was kind of summary. We want to thank Jared 
uh, for coming on the show and giving us his time and his insight into what's going on in his world with regards to COVID. And I think this is a good, a good spot for us to stop and take a break. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere wear with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hey everyone thanks so much for sticking with us welcome back to jigsaw politics and uh, we're going to transition the second half of this episode into just kind of unpacking and talking about uh, what Jared just brought to light with uh, the shipping industry in the global environment. So, Kyle, what was what was your biggest takeaway from that? I would say one of my biggest takeaways, I mean, well, first of all, I learned quite a bit from this. Um, I think that was very informative. So I was interested to learn that um, so many like small businesses businesses are now so global when i think of a small business i think one of the first things that comes to mind be like like a locally owned restaurant or something or you know a shop something that would be owned operated and kind of based in um right in your town but what jared's doing as a um small business owner is is completely globalized i mean he's on several continents that's really impressive and i didn't really think about um businesses being that global yeah, one of the biggest things that I had kind of realized after talking to him was when, again, when you think small business, local business, you think of like mom and pop shops, but I'd almost call Jared a small, a small corporation because yeah, he, it is a small team and it's really him heading the whole operation. It's not like he's, you know, the size of Amazon or Apple, but because of the internet and just being able to network with people instantly anywhere in the world he's able to take advantage of factories overseas to have his products manufactured and he's able to take care of the shipping it's not something that i had ever really given thought to so i i honestly would call him a a small corporation oh yeah well just the fact that he can do everything by himself like that's pretty amazing you know he can run it all from his house and and have all these parts made be selling incredibly high volumes of of products and stuff that's really cool yeah and it's even something that i've i've seen with us you know 10 years ago an independent podcast like us wouldn't be able to have a merch store and now with teespring we were able to talk to them and get it set up so that we design the store but you know we don't have the infrastructure to print so they they specialize in the printing and all we do is give them the designs and they they handle the part that we can't that we can't take care of. So I think the internet really has opened the door to a lot of more 
business collaborations, which I think is a really good thing. It is a good thing. I think it's interesting to see how the economic crash um, that's been tied to COVID has been different in some ways um, than like the crash of 08, for example, because like the internet was a thing in 08, but the amount of commerce and stuff that's done on the internet um, is much higher now. Like things like Teespring didn't exist back then. I couldn't say whether or not you could manufacture something in China and have it shipped the way Jared's company works back then um, as easily without being a huge corporation like Apple. Um, but, you know, it's it's definitely changed things. So seeing how the Internet's impacted it, I think this is really our our first big economic crash in such a modern Internet world. And I think that that and the fact that it was caused by a pandemic are, are two big reasons I think this feels so different and has been particularly hard on people. Yeah. And, you know, e-commerce 10, 15 years ago was really just a place for companies to interact with their customers online and you could buy their products online. But now that we've moved into everybody being in the digital age, it it opens up the door to special specialization within the market so that, you know, a company like Teespring can just concentrate on the process of t-shirts that they specialize in. Whereas you and I are the content creators and we in that market specialize in the designing and we're able to kind of work together and optimize our resources. Yeah, I think that's, you know, despite despite how um, the internet has impacted the, the economic crash, I think it's still a great thing. Because also, the fact that you can now shop online in ways you couldn't before is very important because being in a pandemic, it allows people to be able to obtain goods and services without putting themselves at high risk. So I think that's a great thing. Like, we see grocery delivery being a big thing now, all the stuff that's been taking off. So interesting, like the internet-based economy of of some things like Jared's businesses were hit pretty hard at first because of COVID, but also some other areas of this internet-based economy are doing so well. Yeah, and I think the internet, and I think internet e-commerce might actually help us survive the pandemic. Jared was talking about how it hit different parts of the world at different times. So while we're struggling to get out of it here in the U.S., China's back up to production, so we companies can outsource their production over to China to still meet quotas and have products delivered to the U.S. and keep the supply chain going. Yeah, I thought the supply chain thing was super interesting because I did not really realize it takes boats an entire month to get across from China to California. Like, I hadn't... I knew it was a long time, but I had not thought too closely about exactly what that time span is. And so it was interesting to hear Jared talk about how there's, like, this difference in time where, you know, China had COVID first. And then they're like, there, there are these delays that, you know, at first the U.S. didn't see supply chain issues because everything that happens here, supply chain related kind of is what happens in China a month ago. Right. And we were already kind of expecting a little bit of a fall off because they went into Chinese New Year. So I don't think it alarmed people as much initially. And then once Chinese New Year was over, they just didn't go back. And even that was a month later to when the effects could be seen at the market here in the U.S. Yeah. I think this will be a very interesting thing to keep an eye on as time moves forward because um, it's, you know, like you said, he doesn't think shipping industry is really going to ever be the same because usually it was just a matter of being able to move things across borders because of trade deals and customs and stuff. But now um, with the travel restrictions that have been in place and I think everybody's worried about future pandemics now, it's going to be a big thing that everybody's concerned about. I think it's going to really change how stuff gets moved across the across the globe for sure. And it might entice some companies to try and move things 
move their manufacturing closer to home and reduce their margins a little bit just to know that their products can get there when when bad things happen. Right. That was what was interesting to me is companies like DHL coming from China are able to kind of privatize their customs procedures and do it all in-house, whereas the goods coming over from Europe had to go through U.S.-branded customs. And when we initially went into lockdown, all of customs kind of just went on hold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was also very intrigued by the just the fact in general that there's um, privatized customs out on the West Coast. It was, you know, he said it, it was about getting stuff on the boats for a good price to get it from China. There was a completely different set of issues for things coming from Europe and like from Germany and stuff because those things were going through the customs on the East Coast that were in all that mess he was talking about. I didn't really realize that it was so easy to get things through customs on the West Coast, but it certainly explains why things get get here from China so quickly um, because that they really have an easy customs process. I thought it was also interesting um, that at least from a business perspective, he was saying that like the U.S. government actually had a really great response and that Pennsylvania's government did not. Because I was actually looking at it from the opposite perspective, from my point of view, not really looking at business, but more looking at it as someone who attends college in Pennsylvania. And I was like, well, you know, Governor Wolf's doing things that are probably going to keep us a little bit safer. And the U.S. government, in my opinion, horribly mismanaged the crisis. So that was interesting to see a different perspective um, from like a fiscal point of view. Yeah, especially because he doesn't have a large staff that he's bringing into the office and potentially exposing. So when he said that... I'm concerned with products, not people. I think that I think he has a point there because he's not, he doesn't have to wake up and worry about making the call of if he's going to bring in a staff of a hundred or 200 people into the office and possibly expose them all. He's really just worried about moving his product in because he doesn't have a lot of human capital. Yeah. That's an interesting um, spot to be in. Uh, I think it also, it begs a question about safety for some of his his workers and, and drivers and stuff, but I was also sitting there and he was saying that, I was kind of thinking, well, if it was a really good response for the economy and for businesses, when you're talking about a public health crisis, I feel like that kind of means it's unlikely it was a great response in terms of health, <laughs> because um, when we have an infectious virus allowing commerce to just go forth unchecked, probably is not the safest thing. Right. And, you know, his point about the his point about Governor Wolf being concerned more about the truckers themselves than the actual goods and having it the temperature checks. Hopefully hopefully this won't ever be a situation again. But maybe in the future, after the Tesla cyber truck is out and it's driving itself, you know, maybe that's the answer. Maybe the maybe then there wouldn't be those those restrictions because you have trucks without people on board moving goods. Yeah. What a world that will be, right? All right. Well, with that, we have to say thank you again to Jared Beck for coming on the show and telling us about his companies and about how COVID impacted him. This has been another episode of Jigsaw Politics. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can email us at jigsawpoliticspod at gmail.com. That is jigsawpoliticspod at gmail.com. We'll be back next Friday with an all-new episode. Until then, thanks for listening. This has been Jigsaw Politics. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Jigsaw Politics. 
Jigsaw Politics is produced and edited by Kyle Shear and Michael Smedley. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, as well as iHeartRadio. Our music is done by Yakim Karu. We host our show on the Spreaker Podcasting.